Don't forget to check out our website, HockeyHurts.com, and check us out on Twitter, at Hockey underscore Hertz. Additionally, you can follow Cameron Walsh, at Walshy66, and Ryan Wilson, at Gunner Stahl. Yep. Hello, and welcome to the Hockey Hurts podcast for February 16th of 2015. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And this week we will be covering off on the Cody Franzen trade to the Nashville Predators as the Predators try to, you know, improve their team as they try to get through that incredibly tough Western Conference. We also have the Evander Kane trade, which was officially made to the Buffalo Sabres. We speculated on that the the podcast prior. Um we can talk about Tyler Sagan and how he was uh, low-bridged by Kulikov of the Panthers and kind of uh, a few things about that. And we have some listener questions as well. Um, so we got a full slate today, and uh, as, as the norm, we'll probably get off topic too. So, But we will start with Cody Franzen. He um, rejoins the Nashville Predators. He, he used to be a Predator way back when. Um, he's certainly a, a quality top four defenseman, one of the, the better ones that was on the trade market. Uh, I think you'll see him produce good offense in Nashville. And his possession game, while not bad in Toronto, it's only going to get better now that he's on a, on a good team. Coming over with him was Mike Santorelli, uh, a very nice depth bottom six center that kind of flew under the radar during the offseason. Uh, the Predators give up their first-round pick in June, which, if all things go well, should be a pretty late pick. Uh, Brendan Lipsick, sorry if I pronounced that wrong, he's a prospect that went over, and Ole Okunin, who they probably just wanted to get rid of anyway. So, uh, Cameron, your thoughts on the Cody Franz and Mike Santorelli um, trade? I think it works. I think it works pretty well for both teams in a sense that. The Maple Leafs have been told, you can do what you want. We're not concerned about wing uh, at the moment and stuff like that. So getting rid of assets that they were probably not going to keep at the end of the year anyway frees up some cap space. It allows them to um, get a draft pick. Um, If Nashville go the way they want, it won't be a particularly high one, obviously, but it's still a first-round draft pick. Um, and I think it works out really well for, <clears throat> excuse me, for Nashville. It'll be interesting to see how Franzen goes because he'll be jumping into a completely different system than what he played when he was in um, when he was in Nashville last time. So um, I, I think both teams do well out of it. It'll be interesting to see who Franzen does get paired up with. Um, you couldn't really say there was much wrong with the way Nashville were playing this year. So you hope that the two new guys coming in don't rock the boat. It'll be interesting to see who he gets paired with because there are no shortage of good players for him to be paired with, with guys yeah, like that's right. <laughs> Shea Weber, Roman Yusey, uh Seth Jones, Ryan Ellis, I believe. There's, there's four right there. He's he's the fifth one here. And then they have a choice between Mateus Ekholm and Anton Volchenkov. One of those two guys will be... Uh, on the outside looking in moving forward. so If they can play Franzen as a five, they're in a great spot when you think about it. If they leave those those first four in that position, or even if Franzen pushes Seth Jones down to a five, um, you get there and go, 
that's great seven-man depth. If they need to be a little bit more physical than what Ekholm brings, they can flip Volchenkov in for particular games moving forward for the player. You know what I mean? So they've they've created really good flexibility for themselves on that on that back end. And usually someone gets hurt through a playoff run, so it it, it certainly helps them out in regards to being prepared for for what they want to try and do this year moving forward. And obviously, he's no number five. His no, usage, that's... usage adjusted Corsi from uh, own own the puck that CA uh, Dominic Gallimini's wonderful new hero charts. Uh, he's he's a top four guy for possession, and that's even being on the Leafs. And his offense is a top pairing guy, like exceeding that. So <coughs> he, yeah, it just uh... creates it just creates flexibility for them, and it's something you, you want to have. You never hope, you never want injuries to happen through the playoffs, but you know they will. So it at least uh, covers them off in, in that regards and makes sure that they've got some much needed depth in, in, on the back end. And I mean, if you can make sure your your back end's nice and solid, and you've got Pekka Rene uh, sitting back there in net, you're going to be pretty hard to beat uh, in a seven game series. So I I like the move for Nashville. Um, Santa Rally just adds more depth in, into the bottom six, and you and I are both of the opinion that you need your bottom six to be able to at least press forward and, and get some sort of um, shots going towards the net. I'm, I'm okay with a, with, um, a fourth line um, just not having shots against. I, I'm okay with that, but if you're not getting any shots to the net and you're getting a lot of shot against if you're the fourth line then you're screwed, and, and Santa Rally certainly helps um, Nashville uh, improve in that area. He's actually ranks as a second liner for possession and for assists. So, what about shots against? Same. So, yeah, he, he he he's doing well-rounded, under-the-radar guy. Very, very good depth move. Um, I'm sure there are some playoff teams out there that could have used somebody like him, but he's off the market now. As far as the Leafs are concerned, they get some assets back. That first rounder will be nice for them as they enter their uh, official rebuild. Um, so I think we'll start to see some more more action uh, coming out of Toronto. Who this is a if... pretty deep. This is a pretty deep draft, isn't it? They say. I mean, I can't say for sure. I don't uh, study the prospects no. like some do. No, I don't. I don't either. Uh, that that's why I asked. You've probably got more of an idea than me, though. No, I know the top two being in Buffalo. That's what I've been focusing on, and uh, <laughs> that's um, as far as the rest of it. I I have to lean on others for their information, and I know Todd Cordell of Hockey Buzz and Jesse Marshall of the the Pens blog do wonderful work as we get towards the um, draft time. They'll be putting out a ton of stuff, and you know what? I love their work. I'll lean on what they do, and I'll just go with what they say because they do a nice job. Well, you've only got so many hours in a day. You might as well use people that are better skilled at it well, have more time on those areas than we do. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful part about the Internet. Exactly right. The the interesting thing with Toronto will be what they do with Phil Kessel. Um, I can see it from both sides. <clears throat> what I can't see it from is the media side that dog him. That's why the Maple Leafs are, are failing. Uh, that's all rubbish. Phil Kessel, a really good player. Um, where I can see the argument for trading him 
is if you get futures back, kind of like the Sagan trade in reverse, how Toronto traded away some really, really nice futures kind of stuff, uh, Dougie Hamilton, Tyler Sagan kind of things. Yeah. If they can reverse that trade, that would make sense to me as they enter a rebuild. But by no means do I think Phil Kessel is a bad player. He's he's a a wonderful sniping winger. He plays his role for what it is. And, um, you know, if he does end up getting traded and he gets on a team that has a legitimate top six center because he's never really played with one in Toronto, or at least no, he hasn't recently. True. Tyler Bozak does not qualify as that. <laughs> he um, he'll do a great job. Um, the, I could, but I could see the argument for keeping him too. It's it's one of the the only argument I've got against keeping is the, the window. He'll be he'll be too old by the time the the new group of players coming through um, is re, ready to go and, and compete. That's probably my my argument against against keeping him and. I mean, he's technically in his prime right now. You, in theory, going to get the most for him right now. Mm-hmm. And that's fine as long as you're not trading for veteran players in return, and you're trading for um, high-end draft picks or, like you said, futures. Exactly yeah. right. So yeah, exactly right. Then I'll feel good for him when he gets out of that market. Well, I mean, that's. Does he have an NTC in that deal of his? <clears throat> um, I imagine so. It seems like that would be something that would have been included, but who knows? He might just Cap be Geek? happy to get out. Where's Cap Geek where you need it? Yeah, very true. It's, uh, <laughs> it's an adjustment period right now, for sure. Not having that around. So we're pretty happy with the way that's worked out for both teams. Yeah, and to speak more about Nashville, they're um, they have Pecorine, as you mentioned. Um, they are the number one even strength save percentage team in the NHL, and they just added another pretty great defenseman to that. So they're going to be tough. To to score goals on. And in the playoffs, goals are a premium. This seems like a pretty good formula um, to have in the playoffs. They're seventh overall in shooting percentage. So they're getting offense this year. And they're the seventh best score adjusted Fenwick team at 53.2%, which will probably go up with this uh, these additions. So Nashville may... Be the favorite in the West, which just it just feels a little wrong to sort of say that in regards to Anaheim have been so good this year, and you've got Chicago and St. Louis. I mean they've they've turned that around so well in in Nashville. I mean they had great pieces in place anyway, but they were a team that could go both ways really. I mean they could have hit a wall and gone backwards, but they've managed to get in the the right extra pieces, and it's all clicked. Shows you what a good coach Laviolette can be over a short time frame. Correct. He, he was a nice change of pace for that for that organization. Um, yeah. You know, being the favorite doesn't mean anything. It just means I think they they've got some underlying numbers that are really good. Chicago, of course, does as well. Um, 
be curious to see if Chicago does anything, if at all, at the trade deadline. Doesn't it doesn't feel like it, it doesn't feel like they really need to, although their bottom pairing can be a little dicey at times for their back six. But I, I think that roster's up front. That roster's deep from line one to, to line four. They're not going to do anything for the second line if people get a bit antsy about Brad Richards being there. Um, I, I think they're I think they're looking good. Yeah, the West is going to be fun to track. That's yeah, that's going to be fun. So. Um, another one of the Western playoff teams, Winnipeg Jets. Uh, they they finally moved on from Evander Kane, and as soon as I heard that Kane was going to have the shoulder surgery, I I, I did think that Buffalo would be a, a team that made sense that could trade for him right now, and it would actually help them that he can't play, being as though they're in a tank mode, and um, they did it. They they made the trade. I heard I heard an interview Tim Murray did uh, yesterday maybe, and um, he basically just put his hand up and said, "Yeah, we're tanking." It's like you know the players play hard. I've just got to set up the roster so that they can't blow it. So um, yeah, it's never the players; it's the front office yeah, that's the, playing the chess game. Getting rid of rostered players and collecting a player that can't come on and, and help your team win right now—it's genius, absolute genius. Um, you know, Evander Kane's got four to six months to to be right for game one next year, which he will be. Um, well, in regards to his surgery, four to six. So, you know, it's, it's oh, one yeah. of those—it's one of those things that you, you sit there with it and you just go. Um, is this, as you said last podcast, this could be one of the quicker turnarounds um, in regards to bottoming out and bouncing back up the other way. He's had a lot of things fall in place for him. I mean, there's two, technically, there's two, um, it's almost the Crosby Ovechkin um, Malcolm thing, you know. They're all generational talents there. He's got two generational talents. So if he drops to second, he's still going to do okay. Yeah, I, I really. Really like the trade for uh, the Sabres. It's, it's just Tyler Myers was a situation that had stalled out. So basically they traded for Bogosian, who is pretty much statistically at the same level as Myers. Classic, let's switch up the teams and see if something changes for each player. I like Bogo. I, I, I really do. So it'd be interesting to see whether his numbers drop or get any better well they'll drop for right now but we'll see where they go in the future yeah well but they did play him on power play one last night and uh gave him a lot of ice time so we'll we'll see where he goes he's a former um first round pick maybe three overall bogosian was that high up in the draft was he he was in the first round i I didn't know uh... i didn't know he was top five i knew he was a first rounder but I, I can't remember because Atlanta were bad. Third overall, yes. My goodness. So he's kind of been a slight disappointment as far as the pedigree is concerned. Progression, yeah. Projection. But Myers for Bogosian is pretty much a one-for-one one trade. So for this part, or for this trade, I kind of separate those two. And then you're left with... Uh, Drew Stafford, Joel Armia, Brendan Lemieux, and a first-round pick for Vander Kane, which seems 
you know, at first you're like, wow, that's that's quite a bit. Um, but let's be honest with some of these prospects. Uh, a, a lot of people put too much value in prospects sometimes. Uh, Brendan Lemieux, he's scoring a lot of goals in the OHL this year. Or, can't say OHL for sure, but CHL, I don't know which league he's in. He's got like 35 <laughs> goals. Well, I'm not going to lie, but 22 of them or so have been on the power play. And you'd like to see uh, more even strength production at that level to kind of uh, trust that it'll translate to the NHL. Makes sense. Um, so, you know, I admitted earlier that the prospect thing isn't isn't my game, but... He strikes me as a guy that'll have good junior numbers and he'll end up being a third line energy guy. So, with that said, it's like, eh, that's not so bad to throw him into a deal. Joel Armia, I actually have seen here in Rochester playing for the Amherst. Uh Good skater, big size, awesome hands. I do think he has potential to be a top six contributor at the NHL level. So, that's, um, technically, that's technically the Kane replacement there, in a sense, because Kane was a top six winger. Before he hurt his shoulder. Correct. Um, it's tough sometimes, even in the AHL, you don't see guys translate. But most most times, that's a it's a you got to try him out at the NHL level before you know for sure. Because a guy like Luke Adam used to tear it up in the AHL, go up to Buffalo and kind of uh, just tread Disappear. water, not do so well. Go back down, he'd kick some butt, uh, scoring a lot of goals. Remains to be seen which one Armia will be, but. Um, from my experience of seeing him play, I, I do I do like his uh, chances at success. You don't want him to be a tweener. No, and I don't think he will be, but we'll see. Uh, Drew Stafford, UFA rental. Obviously not as good as Patrick, or not Patrick, Evander Kane. Um, <laughs> he's not, not as good as Patrick either. <laughs> but what it does do, and I think it's pretty important, is he's a forward, obviously. They can play him somewhere in the top nine, and what that's going to do, even though he's not going to replicate what Kane brought to the Jets, it can keep Dustin Bufflin on defense as opposed to playing forward. So that's a win. That's that's really <laughs> important, actually. And that's, that's one of those things um, you get there and go, in theory, he's the, he's the NHL player, replacing Kane on the roster immediately and it's like well he's not you know he's not Evander Kane and you go well that's right but he's about to jump into that roster at the spot that Kane was playing and Stafford fits that role you know he can he can go up into the top six if required but he's best suited now as a as probably a third line whatever you want him to be and that's where Kane was playing so Whilst the the pedigree is not there anymore for for Stafford compared to to Kane, he's filling the role Kane was playing and at a cheaper rate. And if it all goes really really well and he wants to stay, they could probably re-sign him. If not, they get cap space. And they've got some. The Jets have a lot of really nice um, prospects, forward ones. That Ellers kid, he was the one the other day that <coughs> was breaking down the ice and actually switched hands in the neutral zone to his opposite hand and made a move and switched back. <clears throat> oh, that's, pretty... just, that's just not fair. <laughs> yeah, he did it. He did it quite well, too. Um, so that's a, you know, they. I like the trade for both teams. I really do. 
think you it was know a nice what I When we were discussing this whole thing last time, I got there and said, I can't see there being a trade like this happen, and then all of a sudden it does. <laughs> it was the right team at the right time. Yeah, and it was can't, great to can't see. get surgery, and there was one team out there that thought that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so... Well, that's the, it's the one negative of the cap world is it's really difficult to make in-season moves. It's a little bit easier to do it um, in the off-season around the around the draft. Um, but, yeah, for both general managers to have the balls to actually go out and, and do this is, is great. It's, it's good for both teams. So. And, and congratulations to Winnipeg's general manager, Sheveldayoff, for I believe this was his first deal in, like, his entire tenure that was uh, yeah, trading proven NHL player for a proven NHL player. And he has copped some flack for being so inactive. So um, he's definitely got there and, and, you know, you could almost consider that he was in the worst spot out of the two general managers because of the perceived value in Kane dropping with his actions in the last couple of weeks before he he left um, Winnipeg. So I think he got really good return back. He's, he's got a lot of things that will help that team moving forward. And opening night in Buffalo could have Jack Eichel and Evander Kane on the uh, starting roster. So that's pretty cool. You don't like saying uh, McDavid, do you? you? Do you have this feeling that they're going to get unlucky and not get the number one pick? No, they're they're going to finish 30th. I just don't think the odds are there to get McDavid for anybody. I just think that I get McDavid's whole... a classic lottery. I think um, Sabres could lose every game the rest of the year. They're still only going to get a 1-5 in five chance at McDavid. No, I know. That's, that's the thing. It's like you get there with it and it, it's like I just think it I just think it sucks. It's one of the things I, I think that Edmonton fell out of is they don't have a generational player in amongst all of those ones that they've got. They're all good players. They're all top six players, but none of them is a, you know, Ovechkin or Tavares sort of a player that, that came through. You get there with it and it's like they picked the right players that they picked. You, they were consensus number ones or number twos, so you can't really complain with that when you're that high up in the draft. But none of them are franchise-changing players, so it's a timing thing as well. I don't know. I like Hall. Yeah, but, yeah, I get that, and, and I do too, but Nugent Hopkins is a good center, don't get me wrong. He's but really he, turned it up this year, though. He's, he's, yeah, but he's, he's, really good. he's still not someone I'd want to build a franchise around, that's all. Well, you can't build a franchise around anybody. Penguins prove that every year. Got to have depth. Doesn't matter. Yeah, Oilers have done so. a poor job with the depth part. Terrible defense and goaltending for them. Now, actually, speaking speaking of depth, how would you go about? How would you? Where do you think teams can improve their depth? Do you want it to be from rounds two to six in the draft, or is it just going to have to be smart UFA acquisitions? Or try, or try everything. everything. Because uh, the Penguins as a team have not done well drafting depth wise from round. Well, I would say rounds two to six or three to six. Really, they've they've really struggled in regards to. Well, that's to a, get... it's a luck thing at those rounds for the most part. To be honest, I fully and agree. You fully need agree. a multitude of picks in those rounds. 
to increase your chances of getting lucky. And for a team like Pittsburgh, they view those picks as more valuable trading at the deadline, which, you know, if you're trading for the proper players, that's fine. Rather than for a team like them, they don't want to. What's a fifth round, fourth round pick to them right now? Maybe they get lucky, and then maybe the kid's ready in five, four or five years. Yeah, the timing, the projected timing of the player coming good is always difficult as well, isn't it? It's not just a matter of having the pick. It's it's what time is, how far away is that kid going to be any good for your team? And and where's the, what part of the cycle is your core in by the time that player comes through? So there is an argument for for trading away picks for, for players, definitely. For teams like Buffalo and Toronto and Edmonton, Acquire as many mid-round picks as possible. You'll get lucky on a few of them. You have the time to wait for them. It makes sense for Chicago and Pittsburgh and L.A. and some of the other uh, top-end teams. It's like, well, I'm not going to wait around for a maybe fifth-rounder. I'm going to trade for, you know, yeah, some depth. A depth a quali- <laughs> well, you hope a quality depth guy. But that's where analytics come in. Analytics help you the most with the under-the-radar depth guys more so than the star player. I mean, everybody can tell that, you know, the guys that score a lot of points are pretty good. That's not difficult. It's it's the bottom-rung players that are you paying Tanner Glass and Craig Adams and giving them multi-year deals? Or are you finding the Mike Santorellis of the world, the Daniel Winnicks? And that's where the analytics come into play, so... Now, speaking of analytics, reel off some names and some sites for people to go to and try and understand a little bit more of it. Oh, we're jumping into our, <laughs> sorry, our, our reader questions already? Oh, well, it's relevant. We're talking about analytics right now. All right, let me... Uh, oh, what, we were going to leave them all to the end, were we? It doesn't matter. We can do whatever we want. I suppose it is our podcast, isn't it? Let's see here. Michael29Angelo, what's the best site or combo of sites to pull advanced stats? Um, I'm incredibly biased to War on Ice. I think they do a terrific job. Um, I did attend their analytical conference in Pittsburgh and uh, got to see those guys in person, and uh, they do great work. Um, perfect mix of, you know, the... the the raw data and they do a nice job of providing some chart visuals with it as well and they're always on top of trying to improve the site so war on ice one of my favorites uh hockey analysis uh, stats.hockeyanalysis.com by dave johnson uh is also one of my go-tos that has uh the with or without you charts that i love so much yes you do um, ownthepuck.com I mentioned that earlier it's got the hero charts I think those are terrific and can kind of help people that don't really care about the um, underlying super, numbers yeah like the technicalities of the numbers you can just kind of see where a player slots how he ranks whether he's first, second, third, fourth line players in different categories so I think that's very visually um, appealing to people um, any well, I always loved Extra Skater, but obviously that's gone. Um, 
Yeah. Any, um, <laughs> any ones that you... No, I mean, you've introduced me to all of those. I think the the thing that I like about War on Ice is that you can basically just do a data dump, dump it into a, a spreadsheet for yourself and then pick and choose the numbers and create graphs out of it. I mean, I, I think that's the, the big thing with all of these numbers is if you can visualize what's going on, you can use them. Um, you can use them to explain your thought process really well and people go a little bit glass-eyed when they look at spreadsheets. You get there and put a couple of columns up and people are like, oh, whatever, whatever. So if you can um, get the raw numbers yourself and, and do what you want with them and put them into the, you know, into a spreadsheet with the graphs, it's like just makes the process so much easier. I, I, can't, I can't really complain with it. It's taking me a little bit longer than you to um, start processing. Well, you were onto them early. It's like I'm playing catch up in regards to how I want to use them, mm-hmm. um, and and so they are they're great. It's it's fantastic. It gives you a gives you a chance to just add another variable in regards to um, rating players or understanding what a team's doing, what they're missing, um, why particular teams are, are doing well. Um, and it gives you an idea to look out for particular things in games now. Um, I think that's the thing I've found most enjoyable about the, um, the analytics and stuff is that it makes me more aware to look at different things uh, during a game. I mean, there's 82 games in a year for each team. Um, I'll watch anyone when I've got the time, so it's it's good fun to get there and look at it and go, oh, okay, I can see why they're doing well here because they're doing this systematically differently to what other teams are, so you can see... You can see what the numbers show you so you can learn how they're trying to get out of particular situations, particularly in their defensive zone. Um, another one, somekindofninja.com. Um, that's where I usually pull a lot of my uh, player usage charts, those bubble charts. Kind of can see how a, a team is using a specific player. Um, War on Ice has those as well, but um, you know, I first got my usage charts from there hockey reference uh started putting advanced stats on there so that's that's another uh good resource and nhl.com in the next month should be putting advanced stats on the official um nhl page so um guess guess what that means means arbitration you can start using fancy stats so whether you like them love them hate them it's going to become a real part of negotiating so i better better know about them I think I saw somewhere that they're actually thinking of putting the fancy stats in the broadcasts as well. I think that might Sanders be... Uh, have, even though theirs are terrible. That's, they use them. <laughs> well, once again, Pagul is showing that he's a little bit forward-thinking in regards to the way he wants to do stuff. I, I, think, that's, I think that's absolutely brilliant. Um, there's, one Twitter, there's one Twitter handle that I, I'd like to put a shout-out to. Um, uh, it's the guy that does all the Corsi for Corsi against graphs. Um, Ineffective math. That's the one. Yeah, he he um, does wonderful stuff. He actually that's... is teaming up with HockeyStats.ca. They've partnered with uh, Mika Blake McCurdy, who is at Ineffective Math. Um, he he does great work. His charts are really awesome. So it's nice yeah. to see him partner up with the site so that we can uh, go there and, and catch all of his great work. So 
it's good because it visualizes. It's a really good way to visualize how a particular player has gone in a game. If you get there and go, wow, he's played great. You know, generally they're to the right hand and to the top of that graph. If they've played poorly, they're usually to the the left and the and the top left of the graph. It's it's a really good way to give you a look at just that particular game to see see what's happened. It's it's fantastic. And a self-promotion. Uh, it's not a site where you go to get the raw numbers, but it's a site where you get to read people that do a really awesome job with the raw numbers, and that's, of course, Hockey Prospectus. Um, tons of great work um, on analytics done there. <coughs> so a little self-promotion, kind of. Oh, why the hell not? Um, should we keep hey, rattling just out some? Just out of curiosity, when do you have time to sleep? When you do this podcast, you write at Hockey Buzz, you write at Hockey Prospectus, you have to compile all the data that you use in all your articles. Do you actually sleep? I do, but I'm busy. Yeah, no joke. Probably why you've got a tickle in your throat. Yeah, this cough has been really <laughs> annoying. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's been below 10 degrees, it seems like, the last two weeks here. Um, pisses me off, quite frankly. February is always the worst month. And then you get to March and you think it's going to turn, and at least here in western New York, they'll give you one nice day and then ten more bad ones. <laughs> so, you know, I guess you got to put your hard hat on and uh, fight through it. Sorry, but I'm in the middle of summer right now, so we're... No, I know. It's so funny. <laughs> what polar it's opposites a, it is. It's a cold day right now, and it's what, 19 degrees Celsius. Yeah, that's pretty... What's that, 65, 70-ish? I've absolutely no idea. You're usually better at converting that across than I am. <laughs> I have no idea. I just know zero's 32. Oh, well. Oh, you can't just add that on. Yeah. It's Did different. you uh, want to rattle through some more uh, listener questions now or save some of them? Towards the end. Uh, we'll save them to the end. I just wanted to bring that one up because we, we, we were yabbering on about analytics and it was like, well, there's as good a time as any to, to bring that up. Nope. Um, well, I'll let you take this one. You wanted to, to bring up Tyler Sagan and how Kulikov low-bridged him, but not so much about the hit because we, we've talked about our feelings about how poor the Department of Player Safety does with their suspensions. We write, You specifically write a, a ton about that at HockeyHurts.com. Um, what angle did you want to take with this? I wanted to look at the fact that um, the hit happened, and before even the swelling had gone down from Sagan having his knee hurt, um, they've already come out and said it's a four- to six-week injury after Lindy Ruff had got there and said two to three. And the only conclusion I can come up with is the fact that they wanted to get that information out there before the Department of Player Safety made up their mind. They know full well that the length of the suspension comes down to the injury. Um, Pittsburgh did it as well with Latang, came out and said he's got a concussion. Um, and to be honest, I don't really know if he did or he didn't, but um, teams are getting the injury news out a hell of a lot faster with some of these suspension injuries because they know that injury is involved. Now, if you get there and go, injury matters in regards to the suspension, 
then how the hell can you say that Kulikov's low bridge that cost Sagan four to six weeks is worth four games? It's the act that needs to be the thing with the thing with Kulikov's bridge is that it was a hockey play going wrong. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't like anything about that play. It's no, I know really, it's not really defensible. I don't think it was a hockey play. You never get that low on a guy. So he just went. He just he he was out to hurt. He was out to injure. <laughs> I don't know how else you can interpret that. All right, no, 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 that's fine. And like we said, we're not going to discuss that. But it's the. If there are going to be more suspensions as the year goes along, I'm going to be checking to see how quickly teams come out to declare what time frame that person is out from the injury. Because Sagan's knee is going to be swollen for at least a week before they're able to get the swelling down to actually know whether he's torn or just strained, whichever ligaments are in there that he's, he's injured. So that's the thing that, that sucks about about those lateral injuries. I mean, um, thankfully for Sagan, it doesn't sound as though he's um, he's done his ACL through that, which very possible in, in that particular in that particular sort of hit. So good for him, was, not good for the stars, though. I think they're cooked. Yeah, that cook that cooks their goose. I mean, they were they were pushing quite nicely. Um, you know, they even made a trade uh, with Buffalo again for Enroth to try and shore up their backup. So. Um, Letting it have been sort of up and down, up and down. So to be able to put a backup in that was, you know, that would legitimately push to be a one A B sort of a combination with, with Carrie Letton was a good move. And then this happens. So I mean, Jim Neal can't do much about that. It's one of those oh, things. Unfortunate. So, yeah. But maybe with stiffer suspensions, that low bridge doesn't happen because the player that's in that situation maybe thinks, hey, I don't want to miss fifteen or twenty games. And hey, look, a bunch of money. But that's the thing, because that's Kulikov's first suspension. He only misses nine games. I mean, it's, a, truck, it's a truckload of chump ch- It's like a, a truckload of coin, because it's 10% of the year. No, four. Right. You got four games. No, I know, but if, you, if under the system that, that I put through, he's oh, still yeah. only... Oh, sorry. No, no, he's still, only, he still only misses nine games, so it's not like, it's yeah, not like I'm watching him. Nine's almost double... There it is, more than double. Yeah, and then it's the it's the second suspension that he's going to get that really starts as soon as you start multiplying the suspensions. That's when it starts to get painful. Anything else on that? Because these no. suspensions, I I just I'm at my wits end with them. It bothers me, but I don't have anything unique to add that I haven't said in the past. So yeah, it was just the it was just the the speed upon which Dallas got their information out. I'll keep an eye on it for the year and I'll see how it goes. Well, Dallas would have been one of my teams to watch. You you had a listener question on the Hockey Hurts handle. Yeah. Just, that kind of touched it, on. Alex K47 wanted to know two teams could get hot late and make some noise in the playoffs, and you've got one team that you're definitely high on. Which conference was that? Oh, Minnesota. West. Yes. Which conference is that? Well, I have said all year, get them goaltending and watch out. And right now they are out of the playoffs, but let's see. Have they come out of 30th in the league in goaltending? 
Um, I can pull that up right now. Sorry, I could They are 29th. That's how bad they were because Dubnik has has been splendid for them. Um, But, yeah, they were definitely 30th, and Dubnik's come in and done a marvelous job. Um, That just goes to show you you can find goaltending in a lot of yeah, we've beat that horse. We've beat that horse, though. Um, <laughs> but Minnesota, uh, all year it'll long, be has been, to say, uh, it'll be interesting to see where their where their five on five save percentage ends up by the end of the year. Um, it, well, I don't care where it ends up at the end of the year. <laughs> I'm just curious where it will be from when Dubnik came aboard till the end of the year, and where it was before, and see just how big of a because he's on he's on a hot streak right now. He's he's not gonna yeah. continue like at this ridiculous level. But you just want average. You've always said that. Give me average, just please. Well, particularly with particularly with that team whose possession numbers, um, both you know shots for and, and shots against, are good. It, it gives them a good chance to win. If you've got someone that you can at least trust in that in that net. The the play in front of the goalie should make the goalie's job an awful lot easier. Fifty two point nine percent score adjusted Fenwick. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, now that their goaltending's really good, um, there has been lately. Uh, you know they're cooking with a little bit of fire, and they're chasing. They're two points behind Calgary. I, I think Minnesota's way better than Calgary. Uh, Calgary's riding that PDO train pretty hard this year, uh, but Minnesota's at Eight zero and two in their uh, last ten games. Calgary, I, I wasn't sure whether Calgary would be the team that would would shuffle out. I thought they'd ride that um, the Colorado PDO, but your statement you made last week, which was they they don't have the Vesna caliber goaltending in net, and that's what's burning Calgary at the moment and, and fueling Minnesota. Yeah, that's right. The last so, 10 yeah. games, they're getting Vezina caliber goaltending from Dubnik. Yeah. They won't last, but for these 10 games, you can see what it does. Yeah. So, do you think anyone else can fall out? Because Calgary seems to be the team that I, I can see falling out, which means, and I think, what, I think, like you, Minnesota will push their way in. Where does that leave LA? Um, right now? Out. Out. And they're they're in a tough spot. Possession's always good for LA. Um, they're fourth best in the league. Um, What's their PDO? Um, let's see. Sorry. No, you're fine. I, I have this site pulled up. 20th. 998, so it's a non-issue. They're right at 1,000. Okay. I just wondered whether they were getting uh, the, the bad end of the stick. Well, the bad end of the stick for them is Jonathan Quick has been awful for the last month. Is is where that stick is. Yeah, well, they so, need to send it around quicker. It'll be too late. I tweeted out some quick stats within the last week, but I, I don't know them offhand. Maybe if I can pull them up, but... Let's see. It shows you what bad play in that can do to a quality team in front. 
It shows you how I can just get messy real quick. <laughs> okay, here it is. Why is LA on the outside looking in? Since December 1st, they are 12, 11, and 7, despite having a Corsi 4 percentage of 57.7%. Elite stuff. Jonathan Quick, 908. Even strength save percentage. League average, 921. So, Jonathan Quick is why they're out. Doesn't take much, does it? It's a pretty fine line. So, that's why LA's... um, on the outside looking in, if Quick or Martin Jones can give them average goaltending and the possession stays where it always is for them, they can make a run and maybe um, catch somebody like, let's see, Vancouver what? even. They're 62 points LA and Vancouver 65. Or it's LA could catch head. Calgary and Minnesota. I mean, yeah. LA's still very good. They just they just need the goaltending, and Quick hasn't provided it for them. But we're down to 27 games left. True. This season's gone by so fast. <laughs> but they're not out of it. No, 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 no. But they got to make a they they. It's got to start now for them. So that would be my. Uh, Minnesota would be my team to uh, watch, and if they continue to get really good goaltending, I think they can do some damage. I'm having a look at the East to see if there's anyone. I don't think there's anyone outside of the playoffs that can jump in. I don't think. No, the East is pretty. Yeah, set it's with just, their teams. It's just. It's just I think Washington's the team to watch. They have a good third line with uh, Fair and Ward. And is Brooks like on there? Maybe he is. But um, Holpe, underrated goalie. Ovechkin and Backstrom, pretty terrific. Holpe is the X factor for them. I think the players in front of Holpe, I think they're all going to perform. I don't think you're going to get sort of a drop-off from there. If he gets hot... I don't think I'd want to play Washington in the in the playoffs. It's the same with the Rangers, though. If if Lundqvist comes out and plays like he did last playoffs, I don't think I'd want to play the Rangers either. Oh, he's got to come back first. Well, that's true. He's got a scary uh, neck blood clot. I don't know if it's a blood clot, but scary throat vascular injury. So I can't really confidently give... The, the Rangers my vote for for this question without Lundqvist's health being a known commodity I can tell you what the Capitals could do that would be pretty yeah. great straight for a guy like Yager and, just fill out that top six depth <laughs> absolutely and they could be pretty dangerous uh, Mike Green He's he's okay. Niskanen, very good defenseman in my opinion. Carlson, good. Or pick. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but I think uh, that would be my team in the East to kind of keep some peg. Keep your tabs on them because they could uh, get hot and, and do some things. So What about, what about Detroit? Are they going to have... 
I, like I watched the Detroit V Ping. They're one of my favorites. If yeah, they trade for a defenseman. So I, they, I yeah. think for his question, it was under the radar. I've been beating the Detroit drum for a few weeks now, so um, that that wouldn't be surprising to me. I think they're uh, they, Jeff they, Petrie trade away or yeah. Andre Sakara trade away from uh, doing some doing some damage because Jimmy Howard's fine in that. Their forward depths really good so they just need that bottom pairing sorted out that was the one place where watching that pittsburgh game where you've gone okay i can i can see that now i can see that they they just need one more they don't need two they just need one more to help filter everything down and they'll be fine um which sucks for the rest of the east yeah we'll see um Next question for readers. Do you have yeah, one? Or? I, I, don't, I don't have any more in front of me. I, I think you do. All righty. Let's see here. <laughs> Mike Asti of uh, Penn's Initiative Radio. He's been so kind to have me on his uh, radio show a few times. Ranch or blue cheese? And I live in western New York, which is Buffalo Wing country. Blue cheese. Or get the blank out of here. <laughs> Forget <laughs> ranch. Are you kidding me? I don't know what it is in the rest of the country, but in this neck of the woods, we 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 roll with blue cheese. I have neither. <laughs> I was just gonna, I was just gonna ask. You don't have, really? You don't have ranch? We we do. I, I just I just don't. I what just is don't. the dressing of choice down under? Um, I don't know. I, that's the thing. It's really funny, you know. We've got two. We've got two cultural influences in regards to dietary stuff, and it is Aborigine, and then no, it's the this is the thing, it's the UK and it's the States. The States basically because they have such a. And well, I wouldn't use the UK. They're not known for their uh, cuisine, so to speak. No, 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 I know, but we're very much a carbohydrate-based diet in a sense, and you think about the sort of. TV influences that we've had over here and all those sorts of things, that's where it where it comes from. So you get there and it's it's like, you know, chips and gravy or potato and gravy and, and things along those lines. Like gravy gets thrown over everything in this country. So um, might as well be home to Simpson. And then you've got then you've got <laughs> everything you've got everything from the States that, that you guys consume. And I mean the one thing that we've gotten over here from the States in a big way is the meal sizes, everything's just getting bigger and Sorry. Big, bigger. Sorry for that. Yeah, well, you know, I think we're um, I think we're almost per capita um, as overweight as the states now, and for a country that doesn't we're have a corner, yeah, for the first time in a long time, for a country uh, we're not going up in obesity or plateauing. We've actually uh, are trending back in the proper direction. So as For, a physical educator and someone who's certified in phys, physical education and health, booyah. <laughs> for a country for us that doesn't have the weather issues in regards to being able to exercise 12 months a year, that's terrible that we're as overweight as we are. And childhood obesity here is shocking. Hey, at least so, we got snow as an excuse. 
Correct. Like you guys do legitimately get locked in. So I can appreciate that aspect for two or three months of the year. But here in this country, we don't, we don't have that. And it's like, really, we should be out and about doing stuff and not sitting on our ass, you know, eating heaps of crappy food. Everyone here goes for convenience now as opposed to putting the effort into actually make something. So you, you'll give me the blue cheese vote, though, yes? I'll say yes. Just Okay, blue cheese. Yeah. Yes, blue cheese. Hockey Hurts is an official blue cheese podcast and actually consumed some blue cheese about an hour before the podcast. So. <laughs> All right, this question is not for you, and I'm not going to go into super detail on it. Uh, Kevin, Kevin G underscore Reuter. Better Call Saul podcast, and that's a, a, a prequel to the awesome series Breaking Bad. Um, I love Breaking Bad. I have watched Better Call Saul. Um, I am indeed going to be watching the third episode of Better Call Saul tonight after this podcast. Um, but I won't go into details because I know you love your TV, and I'm not going to spoil anything for you, you or any listeners. What I will do is I listen to uh, television podcasts from uh, the folks at baldmove.com, and I think they do an absolutely wonderful job um, covering various TV shows, uh, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, Mad Men, Better Call Saul, The Americans, uh, pretty much any bigger TV show. They're really great. So baldmove.com, Better Call Saul, that'll save me from any spoilers for people out there and uh i guess i can cover that question off doing doing it that way but um yeah i they're they're one of my favorite non-sports podcasts and i'm more than happy to throw some uh traffic their way so back to hockey we uh nothing wrong with that at 13 mike 31 mike bond how long will Flurry's leash be in the first round of the playoffs? Uh, that's his first part of the question. Uh, for me, it's so tough with goaltending because any goalie can have a, a stinker of a game, but there's so much loaded baggage with Flurry. I would say if he did not give the Penguins a quality start in the first three games of the series, I would start to really think about moving to the backup. I've got one issue. I've got one issue with that. They've barely played the backup this year. They've. I know they haven't had a lot of back to backs, and I know they have a lot more of them. But if moving. he's not given quality starts, which is um, two goals or less at an 8.85 save percentage, or just having above a, a 9.17 save percentage in a game, if he can't do that in three games, then what the hell are we doing, anyways? No, look, I'm not arguing that point. I'm just saying I'm looking at the usage of the way the Penguins have used him so far this year, and it's it's like Grice is is fine, but well, he hasn't have... been fine lately. I need to be fair about that. No, no, no. Um, I appreciate that since he's come back from the mumps, um, he's not had the same sort of rhythm in regard. Like he's leaked a few goals that you sit there and go, "Hang on, he wasn't doing that earlier in the year." So maybe maybe that's who he is. He's a He's an up and down sort of a goalie, and that that can happen, which is not great when you've got two goalies that can be exactly the same. Um, I just find it hard to believe that they'll they'll everything that you've just said. Then I agree with. I just can't see the Penguins yanking him. That's all. 
Me neither. Um, for right not or wrong. Not to say that's the right decision. It's just the way it feels they're going to go is that they, they're not going to yank him. And the second part of the question, if you were in charge of the Maple Leafs rebuild, who would you keep? Who would you trade? Um, if they're doing a Buffalo Sabres style rebuild, I would trade pretty much anything except for the younger guys like Gardner, Riley, um, players like that. <laughs> Everybody so else. So would you would I you would You'd be happy to ship off JVR? I wouldn't be happy to ship him off, but at the same time, you know, he's he's not a very good possession player at all. He's he's pretty I don't know. He rides or dies on his goal scoring. Um I would probably look to keep him though, because for four point two mil that's not too bad. Um, I would look to keep Nazem Kadri. Uh, I would look to keep. <laughs> That's about it. Well, I suppose if you're getting there and going you're looking for the tank, because they got William Nylander, who's going to be awesome. I think <laughs> he's doing a marvelous job over in Sweden right now. Uh, pretty promising guy. I would trade for. Bunch of futures. Get Joffrey Lupel out of there. He's never healthy anyways. You're probably going to get stuck with Clarkson. I just don't know what the hell you're going to do with that. Phil Kessel can get you a really nice... Uh, I mean, we discussed that earlier. Yeah. Can Fanouf, can Fanouf get you anything back besides Capron? Mm. Because if that's... Not if for that's, me, but... No, but, but, well, that's that's right. But if you, if you get there and look at it, you can't trade away everyone. You need to have some people there so they're not an absolute tire fire. So no, you can't you get rid of Hey? You wanna be. You're well, rebuilding, you wanna be an absolute dumpster fire like the Sabres. That they did it right. All the yeah. all the newspaper writers that are bemoaning and, and ripping on the Sabres, get over yourselves. That that you know that's so you get rid of, play the game. Get rid of anyone over the age of twenty five with NHL experience to obviously try and and not, be terrible. Not dump them off. No, no, no. no. Explore Asset what you can. To, yeah, no, no. I can appreciate that. But you get there and go. You get rid of all those guys. You've got to bring guys in. I just it's one of those things where I still think you have to have some players that are NHL level players that are over 25. That's just the way I think. It's just one of those things where the problem you've got is for enough seven mil a year. And... To quote one of my favorite shows of all time, The Wire, Omar Little, it's all in the game. <laughs> yeah. Play the game. The NHL has a current setup. Play by those rules, and who cares so... what people think about it? And the Sabres basically have thrown up two middle fingers, and it's all in the game to them. Other teams that decide to do a rebuild do the same thing. Yep, Who cares agree. what people think? Just do it. Don't be in that middle ground area that gets you nowhere. You, so, can't, you kind of can't afford to, can you? You, you can't afford to be 
just outside the playoffs for more than a couple of years. Like, if you have a crack at it for a couple of years, you almost have to go, all right, this isn't working. Let's let's pull it apart, maybe keep a couple of pieces who are young and, and then try and find another way to put it back together. Yeah. Got time for any more? Um, I've got nothing off the top of my head. I mean, I've got time for more. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll do one more. <clears throat> um, T.S. Tough, Tim H.C. Do you see Sutter or Dumoulin being traded again by Jim Rutherford? Obviously, Jim Rutherford famously traded those two as part of uh, getting Jordan Stahl. He now ha- um, has both of them again now that he changed jobs over to Pittsburgh. I could see Brian Dumoulin being traded. I unfortunately do not see Brandon Sutter being traded. Brandon Sutter is one of the most overrated players in the NHL. He is playing at below a replacement level. Um, He lives off of his last name. And I think that's the obvious move for the Penguins. I just... If they keep him moving forward, I just... That's a really bad job of not looking at the numbers available and and coming to the conclusion this guy's not helping your hockey team. So Dumoulin, I could see him being traded and a kind of move that the Penguins are rumored to be in on defensemen. They were actually in on Cody Franzen. I could see them moving Dumoulin for something like a Jeff Petrie or Sakara, something like that, if they I, chose to go that route. But I, I don't just, see Sutter being moved. I just think that would be silly to move Dumoulin in that situation that you explained. I just think that would be folly. I mean, you and no, I just just played Derek Pouliot. Yeah, no, no, no that's exactly you, you beat me to it. You and I have been bullish on playing the youth you've got them you've got to play some of the young guys in your roster because they're cheap um and experience is is garnered by playing not by watching or playing at a lower level so you might as well play Puglia. he already looks better than than Bortuzzo and obviously Scuderi so he's already further up the depth chart and um people would consider someone of his age should be which is perfectly fine but I've said this to you a couple of times. I I think the Penguins moving Gotch on almost solidifies the fact that Sutter's staying. And they moved on from Arcabello. Both guys um, are giving it at minimum the same as Sutter, with, from a possession standpoint. Yeah, and, and with a, a lot more cap space created by how cheap they were. And, and I think that's the thing... Like, you get there and go, what can the Penguins do to, to help them out? You can try and get someone in the top six and run for that trickle-down effect, which is perfectly fine. Um, or you can trade one of Sutter and or Spalling to try and, and use their cap hit for some flexibility to bring someone in. But you, you get there with it, and it's like, I just I can't see, for all the reasons you said about Sutter, I can't see other teams picking him up unless oh, they... For the same reason the Penguins keep him. I was about to say, unless they get all googly-eyed at his name and a, a couple of, of little nice things that he can do, I, I just, like I've said to you before, I find it amazing that, that 
people like us can sit here, look at the numbers and see what he's doing and then you watch it on the ice and you can see what happens, yet these multi-million dollar organisations aren't looking at the same stuff to try and improve their roster. It's just, that's all I can hang my hat on, the fact that they're not doing it. That's it. (laughs) Agreed. Well, I think that covers it. Pretty good. All right. I apologize for my cough, but I felt like it would be better to do the podcast than to not, so. That's okay. Hopefully I wasn't too um, crackly because you kept dropping in and out all through this. No, it's not good on my end, but I'm sure we'll hear about it if it was otherwise. (laughs) Well, that about does it. Um, Until next time. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Wood.